I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Lonnie, you know how recently in the news there have been aliens? Kind of, yeah. Like Congress in America swore under oath that there were things not of human origin that they discovered. Yeah, I can say something about that, but you do your point first. Do you reckon the little guys look like these little guys in the movie? The little alien guys? I mean, I hope so. They're so cute. My point about that is that just because you say it in Congress under oath doesn't mean it's true. It just means you think it's true. <laughs> That's very true, yes. But those guys did have experience and stuff. I don't, I don't doubt they are expressing their genuine thoughts, but... I know, that sort of stuff that we'd heard on BuzzFeed Unsolved and whatever beforehand, so they didn't exactly have proof. Real ones, no. <laughs> Hello there, this is I Only Like You and Movies. My name is Lonnie. Her name is Sine. How are you, Sine? Hi, I'm well, thank you. Thank you for joining us once again for a podcast about a movie. This week, Asteroid City the latest Wes Anderson joint. And unlike most things we see of Wes Anderson these days, it's not AI-generated. It's not AI-generated, and it's not all about symmetry. <laughs> you must hate that, eh? <laughs> I, I would be livid. You've, you've worked for, like, your whole life to be one of the most distinctive filmmakers of the last yeah, 20, 30 years, and then <laughs> people just put you in a computer and trying yeah. to recreate you. Like some of it's fun, but it's kind of like you see one, you see them all, right? Yeah, for sure. And that it, it just it totally it it reduces his artistic output just to you know a color palette and having the camera in the center or having the subject in the center of the camera and like quirky music and yeah. pastel colors. Yeah, that's part of it, but you know that's that's only one part of his mm-hmm. filmmaking ability. Hey. Mm-hmm. We pretty big fans, aren't we, Sine? Yeah. yeah. What's your favourite? Rank... Well, obviously <laughs> it is. Obviously it is. Um... What's it called? Moonrise <laughs> Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. That's it. I wanted to say Midnight something. I knew that wasn't right. Moonrise Kingdom is the best. But Grand Budapest is probably the best film, let's face it. I think Grand Budapest is my favourite. Um, we liked French Dispatch. We liked part of French Dispatch. We did like part of French Dispatch. No, we liked all of it. It was pretty good. Um, I Love Dogs recently. I was pretty good too. Asteroid City, where's it ranking for you, Sine? Have you watched it once? Having watched it once, I think it's in like the top third, but like at the bottom okay. of the top third. All right. So there's like Grand Budapest, <laughs> which is like perfect and amazing and no no it's there's like quite a big jump above everything else and there's uh-huh. like the top the top third and i think it's in there somewhere right i think i need to go back and watch royal tenenbaums that, that yeah that is probably his best film mm. 
Anyway, I why I said after first watch is that often like, there's so much to take in. Mm-hmm. In this one in particular, there was like a framing device upon a framing device. Yes. I found it a little bit hard to to follow. Or once I at first I, I got into it eventually. So I think they're kind of it's going to grow on me watching it a second or third time, I believe. But the first time I was a little bit lost and I appreciate a lot of it, but I I think maybe Sine, the the it's a bit too much going on maybe. But that is also part of the fun, so I don't really mind. But hmm. I feel like maybe there's like just a little bit too much going on story-wise. And the whole point, obviously, is that it's a big cast and you can get big-name actors to do small parts and they, they love doing it because they get to play interesting characters. But it felt a little bit stretched for me. Yeah. Uh, this is bad news for me because I wrote down not smart enough to understand what was going on, a play within a play. <laughs> and now you're like, there's too much going on. So how am I going to understand this? Right. So there's like people living in an asteroid city. <laughs> I got that bit too, yeah. Where an asteroid came down from space and a bunch of people like come to this town and because there's like an alien there they go into sort of like a lockdown situation Mm -hmm. but all of that is a play from ed norton yes and jason schwartzman knows he's in a play but no one else seems to know they're in a play. No, I think the the bits that are in color are the play. Right. So he's not walking around being in the knowing he's an actor. He's actually that is the play that he's in. But we see him in and around that but in he, black and white. He leaves. Remember when they have they're in the little canyon bit with the alien, and he takes his mustache off in the play bit, and then goes through the door which there wasn't previously a door, but it's like a stage door, and then goes and speaks to Adrian Brody for a bit and then goes back in. Yeah, so the play is happening, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a a filmed version of the play, which they did fairly often in the 50s before they had TV, like yeah. <laughs> too much TV. Mm-hmm. They would just get a play and do a, do a screening of it. Mm-hmm. So at that point, he's left the screening that is playing. Right. So he's not walking around as his character knowing he's an actor. I think just in that bit... He decided to oh, leave okay. the, right. the, fil- the filmed version of the play. But we don't see him on TV. We see him in a colourful world that is as if that was real. Got you. Yeah. And we also see flashbacks to him being cast and the film, the, the early yes. um, drafts of the of the or early um, versions of the story being mm. rehearsed as well. Mm. But with Brian Cranston as a sort of, um yes narrator kind mm-hmm. of in a twilight zone sort of thing mm-hmm. he turns up in the film at one stage as well so i think and that is also i think he's muffed his lines and he's ended up on screen where he wasn't supposed to be maybe you could say right or that was just fun for us as the audience maybe yeah so he's playing sort of rod sterling thing but it makes it a little bit confusing at first because you're like he is real at a certain point of reality to what's happening but also, he's narrating the film for us at home. So I think some of that's just fun. Like, it's not supposed to be, like, a huge commentary on anything. It's just sort of, you know, a bit of fun for the audience. But it found me... It was a little bit disorienting at first, which I think, obviously, better on a second viewing. Hmm. Interesting. 
What do you think of the story? Um, confusing. I liked the the setting. I liked the town. I liked the let's do an alien desert sort of story that I haven't really seen too much before. Um, I particularly loved the opening shot. Um, and it reminded me of when we were talking about Barry a few weeks ago now about how the way that Bill Hader sort of um, structures, I don't know, sets up shots, I guess, and structures what he's going to shoot is it's very mm-hmm. theatrical so he can just pan the camera wherever and instead of what would normally be a cut and a reset, it's just all happening sort of in front of the camera, very play-like. And I got that same impression in the first like opening sequence. We see the road, then we pan to the right, and there's already this big setup of a building and everything, and then we pan to the left, and then the car comes in at the right time. Like I thought that was a really beautiful sequence, the opening. opening. Yeah, it happens a few times where there's like the, the camera is sort of rolling along, and mm-hmm. one thing happens and then moves on to another character, and then the, the previous character turns up again yeah. at the end of the shot. But it's all in there's one. There's one cutie going around saying, yes. Dammy, D-Dammy, yeah. Um, yeah, right, so it's in one shot. And it's not just like they've, yeah, put the actors on set and throw the camera up and just sort of follow them around. It's obviously well directed. Yeah, and it's all like timing. It's like when this person does this, then you're going to come in on this line, which again is, you know, theatre acting and and production. So um, I think he's like that in general, but maybe it just stood out to me a bit more in this film because they were using the device of the play as well. So I was like, oh, okay, Mm. he's put that in his his directorial style a bit more as well because that's what's relevant for this particular film. Mm. I think it was good seeing Jason Schwartzman be um, the lead on uh, yeah. the West film. Obviously, mm-hmm. Rushmore, he started, and he's been in and around other films too, but it's nice to him being the lead. Do you like Scarlett Johansson? Listen, I loved everyone in this film. However, okay. as I will say, I think I brought up at our last, probably French Dispatch, last West film that we covered, having an ensemble cast this big doesn't really give a lot of room for the actors to shine. And I think Fisher Stevens got quite a short end of the stick there. Um, mm. Tony Revolori as well, like, wasn't really given that much to do. I'm seeing that Bill Murray was originally cast in Steve Carell's role, but then he got COVID. So I don't know. I just struggle with this. Like, yeah, it's like, cool. It's like, you know, um, Willem Dafoe's turned up awesome, but he just has one line. He can't really do much with it, and it's like, okay, I guess Willem Dafoe's up. And I think I raised this in our last review of, like, where's it end? Does it end with the entirety of Hollywood actors being in this film and they all just say one part of a line and then that's the movie? Because I'm finding it very distracting and (laughs) off-putting. I get where you're coming from, yeah. Scarlett Jansen had a fairly massive role, though, so... Yes, I was using her as a platform to jump yeah, off yeah. into I, I, yeah. a discussion. I get you. Um, I like Steve Carell. I thought he was a good addition to the Wes Anderson Same. style. But um, I'm biased, though, because I want him in everything ever. <laughs> well, that's why I'm like, I'm not sure. I, I have to watch it again just to see how I think about Tom Hanks. I, I don't yeah. know if he was immediately in the right style, but he was playing a quite a hard character. Who that's true. gets softened over time. So I think maybe that's why he was a little bit um, 
you know, dissonant with the rest of the, the cast and well, it gets there eventually. Mm-hmm. But like someone like Ed Norton, Adrian Brody, they just walk in and they, they own the roles because they've yeah. done it so often now. Yeah. Um, but I think Steve Carell did that. And it's also interesting, like Steve Carell, well, they're all big stars, obviously, but, you know, he, he this seems like the sort of role he would have done early on in his career. Now he's doing it again mm. you know, after being very famous. But he nailed it. He just killed it, I thought. Mm. I liked uh, Maya Hawke mm-hmm. as the teacher. Same. She's um, becoming a really, like, proper capital A actor, um, which I'm very excited mm-hmm. about. I think she's really brilliant. Yeah, some of her babies are good, you know? <laughs> um, and really, you can go through the whole cast and, and say they're all good because they don't get here unless they're amazing. Mm. And they, um, they, they're not like they're given hard things to do, but you know, when you can come in and just nail one scene of a very small role, that's obviously mm. um, pretty fun for them. The Hong Chow is really good in her small role. Um, Lee Schreiber, my man, amazing. my main man. Jeffrey Wright, who I thought was the in the best part of French Dispatch, again mm-hmm. is very good here as a general. Yeah. What do you think of the kids though? They're they're all fairly new and up and coming. The kids were good. I can see that in production, Michael Sarah was initially in talks to star in the film, and I could definitely mm. see him as the kid. Um, but perhaps not at this stage in his career. Like he's yeah, he's, he's a bit old. He's now. a bit old now. <laughs> yeah, but um, it definitely had that sort of feeling toward it. Yeah, I thought they were all, all really good. I I didn't have anything to complain about, really. I think um, Jake Ryan, who played Woodrow, is sort of growing up to be a little mini Jason Schwartzman, so that was good casting, I thought, as, like, yeah. father and son. Um, there are other kids in the film whom <laughs> I love. <laughs> Go on. Um, so there's a kid. So, sorry, Maya Hawke's character is a teacher. Um, they're on like a field trip and so she's got a bunch of kids with her and there's a little kid who just keeps, you know, sneaking off, going to have a beer and some musical time with the mechanic and some ne'er-do-wells. Um, and then he comes back with his little show and tell and he's presenting a song and <laughs> I laughed aloud quite involuntary, involuntarily and I was the only person in the cinema apart from a quite old couple that was sitting sort of across from me and the noise that I made when I laughed uh I think I was a bit loud and so (laughs) I got a look from the gentleman but here's my thing how could you not see him break into song about the little alien and not laugh it was the best sequence in the film I'm allowed to laugh something's funny and the fact that you're not laughing like what are you even here for you know I'm just kidding um, I don't know if you've ever seen Desert Blue, Sine. Have you seen this film from 1998? I highly doubt it. It's a comedy drama film written and directed by Morgan J. Freeman. Not the Morgan Freeman you're thinking of, Morgan J. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this for the Christina Chronicles, which oh, yeah. is what I do on my other podcast. We look at the filmography of Christina Ritchie. That's right. Lenny has not one but two podcasts. Do I like one more than the other? Who, he, who has my favourite child, you know? You can't. Well, I'm your favourite child. <laughs> Clearly. Okay. Don't say that. <laughs> Kate Hudson's in it. Casey Affleck. Yeah, the reason I mention it is because the, the um, it's got a good cast and everything, but it kind of reminded me of this film. I'll give you the plot as written on Wikipedia. Please. 
A rising Hollywood starlet becomes marooned in a small desert town while on a road trip with her father. There she gets to know the town's rather eccentric residents, including one whose hobby is pipe bombs, and another who is trying to carry out his father's dream of building a water park in the desert. So it's not like exactly the same, but the fact that there's a Hollywood starlet, they become marooned. Mm-hmm. I think there is some... It's been a while since I watched it, it's been like over a year probably, but there is something about like quarantine, they have to stay in the town, they can't just leave when they want to. Aliens? No aliens. No yeah. aliens. Okay. <laughs> but... There's enough there to, to, to be a little bit hmm. familiar to me. Interesting. Um, I'm not saying he's plagiarized or anything like that. I'm just saying. No, I wonder if he's seen obvious. it and taken inspiration from it or. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah it was Kerry Tyson's first movie. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, I guess it's not, not the most um, novel idea to have a small town of eccentric people in a Hollywood starlet who they all know and love and they sort of get to know each other after initially. Um, She's a bit standoffish, mm. which happens in this film. Um, but yeah, that's hasn't got, it hasn't got a good reviews. Only thirty seven percent on tomatoes, but we quite liked it. There's a character called Billy Baxter. There is. I don't think he's playing. You're not playing I don't Billy think Peter Sarsgaard is playing Shazam, no. <laughs> but maybe. Maybe he is. Maybe that's mm. how it started. I liked seeing Wes be in the desert. That was fine. Like, that was a new thing. I haven't That's seen what before. I mean, yeah. It was a fresh sort of, like, spin from him. Mm. I haven't seen that. And I like all retro future stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they're set in the past, but it's, they've got technology that's in advanced, and it's the Wes Anderson spin on sci-fi, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, just something about it, I was a bit standoffish, it felt, and it, like, it didn't quite draw me right in like others... Of his films have but i do end up liking all these movies so i think maybe it just needs a bit of time to to sit with me fair enough what did you think about the animation yeah it was fun am i is this the first film of his where he's done like an animation situation we did fantastic fantastic mr fox and that's right which you hate for some reason i do hate um i love dogs as well Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs, yes. <laughs> Which I also didn't love. Hmm, interesting. You just don't like stop motion. But I do love stop motion. You love Chicken Run, don't you? I love Chicken Run. It's the a sequel classic. coming out soon. <gasps> what? Mm-hmm. Something about his animation is that the problem. I think so. I think it's the scratchiness of it. <laughs> but I liked it in this film. I liked the little alien. I liked that he came down and, and got his little rock and then left and then mm-hmm. came and returned the rock. I thought <laughs> it was really cute. He was quite cute. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. 
And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah. Um, it's not one to probably come in and watch having not seen other Wes Anderson films. Fair. I think you'll be a bit lost. Yeah. Um, in the style, at least. They shot a lot of it in Spain. There you go. Interesting. Shot around COVID pandemic and mm-hmm. um, Anderson said, talked about how the pandemic inspired the film. He said, I don't think there would be a quarantine in the story if we weren't experiencing it. It wasn't deliberate, but writing is the most improvisational part of the whole process. It relies on having nothing. What a mm. West quote. Wow. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. Like, I, for me, it just slots in pretty seamlessly to all his other films. Like, I don't really have anything too much to complain about other than I got confused with the narrator and the play and whatever. But, you know, I'm not very smart, so that's probably why. But um, You're very smart. The I think the thing is, by now, people, you either like these sort of films from Wes and, and this sort yeah. of quirky style of filmmaking, or you don't. Yeah. And, and maybe you can like like some and maybe not like others, but... Like, there's a certain thing, like, you either, it's on your wavelength or it isn't. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if you like it, it's probably going to be okay. And then you can sort of talk about where it ranks in that in that sort of standard. But um, if you don't like it, I don't feel like it's going to win you over. Yeah. Where does it sit for you? Probably about the middle. Middle, okay. Interesting. That's yeah. the thing about his films as well. It's all about, you know, on the surface, it's about the framing and the colours and whatnot, but then deep down it's often about um, characters going through quite, quite traumatic um, things that are trying to work through. Yeah. Um, and I think this has has that, obviously, the, you know, the main character's dealing with his, the death of his wife and he's looking after his kids and his, his dad, his father-in-law's around who he doesn't like and doesn't like him. So you can't capture that in an AI-generated um, model. Mm. You can capture... Pastel, but you can't capture pathos. Wow. Thank you. That'll just be the, the pull quote for the that. episode. <laughs> Put that on the DVD, I reckon. On the cover? Second yeah. endorsement, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that it can be what, what um, people don't, don't um, might not work for them. They might think they are getting something that is just like quirky and fun, but then, you know, watching the film... Mm. Often they are they are not fun, you know, to a certain, to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're dealing with deeper things than the, the surface level um, can seem. I need to watch Rushmore again because I think that was like, I don't know. I think I need to give it another chance because from memory, I don't think I liked it very much. But I need to sort of reevaluate now that I've seen a lot of his films and understand what we're doing. Because I think at the time of watching, I probably didn't know what the heck was going on. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I think that's true. I think we watched Rushmore then Royal Tenenbaums and still getting head around yes. what, what his filmmaking style is. And then by the time we watched Moonrise and Grand Budapest a couple years later, yeah, that that obviously solidified. So yeah, there's a couple of quotes here that I'm seeing. You basically said this one, but um, it's occasionally a bit unfocused and always a bit indulgent. If you don't like the Wes Anderson film, you won't like this, mm. but we others hope he continues making it. 
And I think we're not the only ones who didn't really like the narrative device. Um, mm. Variety said fussy, top-heavy, narratively batty, yet stretched thin concoctions. Asteroid City looks looks smashing, but as a movie, it's for Anderson diehards only, and maybe not even too many of them. That's a bit harsh. That's a bit harsh, I think. I don't think so. Um, I know you've already spoken about him, but because um, he's my guy, I just I'd just like to talk to him about him a little bit more. Um, Steve Carell, my main man. So his, I I kind of loved the Shit's Creek energy that he brought to the motel manager. Mm-hmm. I also particularly love about Wes Anderson's films that the use of practical sets all those vending machines that had different things that could come out of them and um mm-hmm. that's when the juice came out and everything like that to me is one of the main things I love about it and I thought Steve Carell worked impeccably well in an environment that's quirky um and I don't know if I would have thought of putting him in this to be honest like I just I don't know. I guess I would have just thought, nah, he can't. He can't do that, which is an awful thing to think of an actor. I didn't mean it like that, but how dare you? Um, I know, I know. But I'm, I'm glad that he was in it, and I'm glad that he worked really well. And and I loved this sort of like beleaguered but friendly, um, hotel manager who sort of, you know, was trying to get it in with some of the people that were staying there. Like <laughs> that was just fun. It was just a fun time. No, I know what you mean. That's what I was trying to say before that. Mm. He wouldn't have been my first choice of like a, a fairly minor character in a Wes Anderson film, um, given it's Steve Carell. Like yeah. I put him front and center because yeah. that's you know that's who he is these days. But he um he, he worked really well. He complimented the rest of the cast so well. Absolutely, and I, I just like the production design is impeccable. Like yes, it has the pastel colors. Yes, the color grading's like in a particular way. But the the way that they build the sets, like the the two rooms mm-hmm. that. Scarlett Johansson's character and Jason Schwartzman's character are talking to each other through the window. Like, that was just so beautiful, that whole set. Um, and even the, like, different technologies. There's this group of kids who have come to be brainiacs and, and they're science sort of experts and their little things that they developed. Like, there was that guy with the little zapping machine and, um, like, a whole bunch of other little things. And I just thought it was oh, really yeah, cool we, to see them made. We take it for granted that it's going to be great in these sort of films of production design, mm. but we shouldn't like, no, <laughs> if this is any other filmmaker, we'll be, be, be amazed by it. But because it's Wes, we're just like, Oh yep. Again, another way. Yeah. Yeah. But I think his, his prop masters and production designers, you know, deserve a lot of praise for being able to yes. maintain such an excellent level of, you know, design. Absolutely. And this is what we need. We, we need more films like this. Yes. With filmmakers who've got a vision and are, you know, telling interesting stories. Not going to not be like, oh, everything's shit because it's all Marvel these days, that sort of thing. I don't think that's true. But yeah. I think we should we should try and foster um, inventive filmmaking when we see it. I agree. Even if you don't like it, I think it's important because other people pick up on things and it's just good to get a, like a, a spectrum of things made, you know, like mm-hmm. should be a lot of different things going on. More little boys who sing cowboy songs, I say. I mean, probably the best part of the movie. He's also the boy who had his mask on, his um, viewing cardboard box on incorrectly. Oh, he was the same kid. Nice. I think so. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Maybe there was, there was one redhead kid who was causing trouble. Maybe I'm getting a little confused. I think the kid who sang the song was the one who was ha- at the thing with Matt Dillon. 
Yeah. I can't remember. Okay. Also, Tilda. We had mentioned Tilda, who you love. Yeah, she, like everyone was great. This is the thing. Like Tilda was great. I, I, I loved Ed Norton. I loved his character. I loved the way he played him. He was a standout mm-hmm. for me. Um, Rita Wilson's in this. Like, you know, like ev- everyone's. Well, what do you think of Margot? No. Her small role. No. No good. No. <laughs> everyone else, you're like, oh, amazing, great, whatever. Margot. No. She didn't fit in this style of acting for me. But she's in the real world in the movie. Exactly. So what does that mean? Wow. I thought she was really good. I thought it was a good scene. No. I would have cut it. Didn't like it. Wow. You hate Margot Robbie. I don't hate Margot Robbie. That's I'm jealous. That's what I've been hearing recently I'm jealous of Margot Robbie. That's really where it's coming from. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm big enough to be able to admit that. I hate Why her because I ain't her. celebrate another woman? Oh, my God. Don't turn woman. this into me being a misogynist again like the other... <laughs> There's a special place in hell, Sine. Oh my god. <laughs> um, do you have any Twitter corner for this? So you haven't been been Oh crap, yeah. Haven't <laughs> totally been sweeping forgot. anything into Twitter corner. No, wait. Sweeping? So am I just catching the dregs? Is that what I think so. They go on the corner until they're used and they're thrown out, right? I love how each episode it just um it just changes. <laughs> um it's your corner. There is a a person online, I'm not going to name them, um, decided to turn their grandma's funeral into a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> I, I don't think they did. I think they just made that up for the story. I hope so. And someone said, I'm sure there are bigger issues with using your grandma's funeral for clout, but this is also a part, the part of Wes Anderson film that would break through the distant storybook veneer and deliver a devastating yeah. emotional blow. Perfectly captures what people miss about his style. Thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of we've been saying, hey, that it's, it's much more than just the the style. And also, I think pretty much apart from that first one that started off that trend on TikTok, the rest have been pretty bad. Yeah. You know? The first They've one... just gone quirky. They haven't gone Wes. Was that that yeah. woodworking guy? Yeah, there was a girl as well, I think, who was on the train. Yes, the train one and the woodworking one are the two good yeah. ones. I don't know how I'm ever going to find them ever again, but, you know, they were great. <laughs> I think that's it for Twitter Corner. Well, well, what I'll say is that there is some um, Wes, um, I guess, short films. They're coming up soon on Ooh. Netflix, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, doing some Roald Dahl adaptations. So okay. That's cool. um, and then, oh, and guess this, get this to me. Mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch, Dev Patel, Ben Kingsley, and the person who gave the best performance in any Wes film ever, Ray Fiennes. I'm here. I'm here for it. They, they fit so well together, didn't they, oh, that movie? I think that's why it worked so well. Like, it was just yeah, him being flamboyant and fabulous. Like, it's up there with the best screen performance, I think. How did he not win the, the Oscar for that? He wasn't even nominated, I don't think. Who won it that year? I'm not sure. Give me a second, I can look it up. But, but you know things, Lon. Sometimes I'll just be like, who won Best Picture in 2017? And Lonnie will be like... Give me two seconds. Well, normally he'd, he'd say it. I wasn't listening. Best picture of 2017. I want to say Shape of Water. Look at him. Was that true? I don't know. No, he wasn't nominated. However. Why? 
Best actor was Eddie Redmayne that year. Mm. Theory everything. Gotcha. Anyway. Um, and then today, as you as you mentioned, Michael Sarah. Yes. He's going to be in the next West film. Oh, good. So that, that makes that's me happy. Good. That's worked out. <laughs> you know how there's just some actors who like, like here. Yeah. I'm going to give you some actors. You tell me whether or not they. I guess we're winding down. We're playing a little game at the end of the pod. It's a little, like, fun extra. You tell me whether or not they suit, like, a Wes Anderson style. Okay. John Krasinski. Mm, maybe. It's a no from me. Not, not not, really, no. Steve did it, so. Tom Cruise. Definitely. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would never happen in a Mission billion Impossible years. Mission Impossible 10, directed by Wes Anderson. Oh, my God. If that happens, I will do something outrageous, like jump off a roof or something like that. It's <laughs> never, ever going to happen. Okay. Anyone else? Tony Collette? I reckon she could. I reckon she could, too. And I haven't seen mm. her in a lot of things lately. Where is she? Mm-hmm. Is she still around? Does she want to act? He's around. Okay. I want to throw some at you. Oh, God, okay. Just Googling actors first. Yeah, well, I didn't do that. I just came up with three off the top of my head, so. Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Hard yes. Harrison Ford. No. Matt Damon. Yes, but I think it might have a bit of the Tom Hanks energy to it. So not mm-hmm. perfect, Could, depending on the character. George Clooney. I feel like he, he he's he's done those like Coen yeah. brother films, you know. I think that's as quirky as he gets, though, you know. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I'd love to see it. What about the cast of the Bear? I mean, just the whole cast in different roles. No, <laughs> I don't think anyone on there. Not even Maddie Matheson. <laughs> no, I'm a strong yes for Maddie Matheson. Because he's, he's a type of chaotic <laughs> that is, yes, they're both chaos, Wes Anderson and Maddie, but they're not, they're not the same type of chaos. <laughs> I'm so glad you love him. <laughs> I was excited to tell you about him. And, how, how couldn't I? Yeah, he's fab. Anyway. Okay, maybe we'll we can name actors up. all day, but we could wrap this up now. Rating time, Sine. Oh, crap. I always forget that this is coming. Um, three and three quarters. Okay. Solid. Liked it. Probably need to mm-hmm. watch it a second time to let it sink in. And sure. probably need to refresh my memory in the other films to make sure that I'm, you know, ordering them in the correct manner. Okay. I'm giving it three stars now, but that's provisional. I want to watch it again, Ooh, and okay. that might go up. Okay. But, like, we're grading him on a hard curve because we like so much of his work, you know? That's true, yeah. A three for, for Wes is going to be better than most other films out there. Very true. All right, we do have other reviews of Wes's films, I believe, in our back catalogue. Um, and maybe we'll... I'm sure we'll do more in the future as well. Because they may be. Of course we will. <laughs> um, as long as he keeps making them, we'll be keep going there. 
Um, we've got other reviews on the on the feed. This is our first ever, so you can go back and find all sorts of movies and TV shows. And we're on Twitter. We're on X. Don't. Oh, damn it. While while it still while it still exists, we'll be there until the bit of end. I'm I'm just. It's more fascinating at this point. It's a it's a yeah. it's a car crash I can't look away from. I just want to yeah. see how it dies. God, that's the most sadistic thing I've ever said in my whole entire life. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I've come. Alright, well, we'll leave you on that. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.